Today's episode is being sponsored by Kingsley 1945 watches. To check out the Kingsley 1945 collection, go to www.amitdevhonda.com and click on the Kingsley 1945 collection on the upper right-hand corner. On today's episode, I speak to friend, client, and world-class poker player, Nick Petrangelo. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. going on there watch fans i'm on the phone with fellow bostonian friend and good client nick petrangelo what's going on there nick hey how's it going um not much visiting family uh, back in massachusetts for the holidays uh been out in vegas a little bit um just been uh kind of staying home playing a lot of online poker so for those of you who don't know nick is a world-class poker player um and he is humble i mean in in the world of poker i've met a lot of people and you know, some of these poker players think that they're like wrestlers, you know, they think they're, they're, they're it's like watching wrestling when I was a kid, when they think it's all ego, but you, you're a, you're a special breed, my friend, because you're kind of like the, uh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, you're like the Roger Federer of poker in a way, cause you, you don't overreact. You don't have an ego. Um, you kind of, you know, stick to yourself and, you're just a really down-to-earth guy. And actually, Nick and I met, uh, what would you say, it was like 2016, something yeah. like that? Yeah, uh, maybe even yeah, yeah, four or five years ago. Sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, do you want to kind of tell the public how we met? Yeah, I mean, I go, one of my, uh, my restaurants that I pretty much eat all my meals at, I go to, when I go to Vegas for poker, I stay at the Aria and I eat at Bardot or uh, Carbone pretty much every night that I'm there. So uh, we were just kind of hanging at the bar, and that, I didn't know that that's one of your spots uh, on a nightly basis too. So we kind of just started talking, and I had my new watch on, and you asked me about it, and then we you know, kind of started seeing each other from there and uh, hanging out at the bar, have a couple drinks. And you know, I think usually uh, most of the times I went in there, I saw you at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no surprise. I, I love that bar as much as you do. Uh, yeah, and that place is amazing. I mean, oh, absolutely. And we, you know, we have a we have a mutual friend there too, while well, Eric Forlini. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who's actually done my podcast before? Uh, oh, cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's he's. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to Bardo, um, I know that times have changed, but when 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 things pick up again. Definitely check it out. Cool thing about Nick, too, is we're both from Massachusetts. So we're both in Massachusetts at the same time. Uh, Nick, I think, uh, you know, I think you have a place now part-time there, right? Yeah, well, so I actually, I own a home in Canada, in uh, Alberta. I got a place in Vegas. And uh, when I come home, I usually come home for, like, you know, decent chunk of time to visit my family. I have a really close family here, so... Usually I'll just set up a trip where I come home and stay here for like a month or even six weeks um, and hang out with my parents and my niece and nephew. I really like being home still. So Very yeah, cool, I mean, man. Even my uh, my girlfriend will come and stay with us. We got plenty of our own space here, so it's nice. So, yeah, I don't need a place in Mass because I, I just come here and when I'm home, I get to spend a lot of time with my, my mom and dad and my sisters and stuff. So that's awesome. And uh, I can still, you know play some online poker here and get some work done so yeah 
That's very important, bro. And I think that's that it kind of keeps you grounded. I mean, you're from Western Mass, right? Yep. Yeah, Western Mass. So really small town. Um, I actually did. I grew up, yeah, a really small town. Like, you know, I'm here right now. It's kind of like a farm road out in Western Mass. Um, you know, not really too much diversity out here. It's uh, it's pretty much what you expect from kind of middle of nowhere, uh, mass, Western Mass. But I, I started traveling probably in like, well, I mean, I went, you know, I went, I went to boarding school for, to play hockey. So that was, gave me a little bit more exposure right there than, you know, just staying here and, and going to the, the local schools. Cause then I started hanging out with a bunch of different types of people, you know, starting to figure out that there's a lot more going on in the world outside of just the small town I grew up in. Then I went to college in New York. I lived in New York city for a while. So before poker, I still had, you know, I had a little bit more exposure than maybe I would have if I had stayed around home for school, but then, I really started traveling a lot in like 2010, 2011, uh, traveling, going around the world, Europe, um, Asia, Australia, stuff like that for poker. And then that really opened my eyes to uh, the travel aspect. But, you know, I, I was really obsessed with poker. I just wanted to go and play wherever the biggest games were and keep, keep it, uh, growing through the stakes. Basically, the only way to get to the top in poker is you got to play the highest stakes games. It's not like a professional sport where there's like tryouts and it's based on skill right. level. Like it's the risk, you know, if you want to play in the best, the highest stakes games, anyone can show up and buy in. But so you got to go to where they are. You got to work your way up. You got to build your bankroll. I mean, all this kind of stuff that, uh, you know, it takes, it's a long process. And then once you uh, start playing in the high stakes games, you're just looking for, for the bigger one. It's not because of gamble or anything. It's because of the competitiveness. Like you, you can't say you're the best in the world if you don't sure. play in the biggest games. So that's Absolutely. where the traveling was. I would say a touch on one thing you said earlier is uh, I think most of the best players you'll see, you know, they might have, it's, it's definitely an ego thing. Like you need to have some ego to get into it. Yeah, but um, I would say most of the best guys, you know, they, they share what you said, like they're very, uh, low ego type of guys just because you need to know what your weaknesses are. You need to know that you need to constantly study and improve or people just zoom past you. Like if you think you're the best and you, and you get complacent, um, you'll be, you know, 12, 15, 20, 20 ranks down real soon because people are just going to get way better than you and because uh, they're going to be working in the background. Well, when I was living in Vegas, where I lived, there was, you know, one of the top poker players in the world. And, uh, you know, he kind of, uh, connected with me on watches and I, I try to help him out. And then when I saw him at one of the restaurants at Aria and I came by to say hello to him, he acted as if he never met me before when he had just spoken to me a week prior. <laughs> and, and I was like, dude, really? Come on. Yeah, like, that's the worst, man. And, and I just, I guess the one thing I realized about you real quick was that, I mean, A, you're, you're super young. I think you're like 33, right? I'm 33 now. I don't know. Is that super young? I feel old. I feel old now. Well, I'll be 45 next month. I think you and I are a couple of days apart birthday-wise, too, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm January the, 2nd. I'm the 4th, so. Okay, yeah. So so it's like, I like I, I don't know, like, for you to achieve what you've achieved at 33, I think it's a, it's pretty awesome. Um, you don't you don't normally see that um, on a regular basis, but I think what I what I what drew me to to Nick was that he was kind of uh, most people from Boston or suburbs of Boston. They're very unassuming. 
Um, I think, Nick, maybe you can attest to this. Uh, being from here, we don't kind of, sh- like, uh, no pun intended, show our cards, whereas I think on the, <laughs> we- on the West Coast, it- it's all about showing your cards, even if you don't have any cards. Um, and I think that that's kind of what drew me to you. Also, the the choice that you made, the watch that you were wearing, uh, that's a very evolved uh, sort of watch to be wearing, especially at such a young age when, like, you could be wearing flashy yellow gold bullshit. Uh, Nick was wearing a, uh, and, you know, he's been obviously publicly seen wearing this watch as well, Audemars Piquet Royal Oak uh, chronograph with a black dial. Uh, and that's actually what kind of, I think, drew me to talk to you. And um, you were really, really just open with me, which was, which is very rare for someone from this part of where we're from, because, you know, normally it takes like a little bit of time to get to know someone and then you open up. But you were pretty open with me from, I think, the minute we started speaking. And then uh, subsequently after that, uh, a couple of years after that, you, uh, we saw each other at Bardot and you were like, I want a Panerai. And you worked with me to buy the Panerai, which I was incredibly appreciative of. What kind of... Um, how would you say, like, working with me was different than just getting a watch somewhere, anywhere? Yeah, so I think, first of all, yeah, I mean, when we're just hanging out at, at the bar and stuff, it's easy to, you know, you know, if you can tell that someone's a genuine person and you're not, you, you're, you're in there just asking me questions. It wasn't like you were trying to sell me something. I could tell you are generally, genuinely interested in the watch. You, It, it wasn't like. I don't even know how far into our conversation that I learned that you're actually a watch dealer. You were just kind of asking me about the watch, what I, what, how I got it, how I chose it, um, you know, complimenting it and stuff. And then, so yeah, we were just kind of chatting and, and it, you know, didn't seem like it, there was no business involved at all. So then it's easy to, you know, feel comfortable and, and be open. And then, yeah, like you said, we're both from mass. I will, de- I definitely agree with what you're saying about, being from the Northeast in general, or you're specifically New England and then hanging out on the West coast, it's like New Englanders. Yeah. They keep to themselves. They're not telling you what they have They're, yep. You know, they don't even, once you get to like New York and Boston, you're walking around, like people don't care enough about, uh, what you're up to to even stop and bre- like, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. They're respecting each other's privacy. You know what I mean? It's not like a chatty, um, this, you know, this is what I do, stuff like that. So, but when you find somebody that you can tell is genuine, then it's easy to to have that open conversation with you and, and share your stories and stuff like that. So we did that. So then it's kind of just like I had been looking for a Panerai for a while. I could tell that I could ask you real advice. Um, I think I had already told you, like, I got my Royal Oak from a guy that gave it to me at cost. So it was like, I think I paid right. eight. I think I paid 18. <laughs> the ultimate win, man. <laughs> I think I paid 18.4 for it. Jeez, so like crazy. I knew 100%. Like you didn't, you weren't targeting me as like, oh, this guy's gonna be this whale. I'm gonna sell these watches too because he's this poker guy and he's wearing like. Right. You know, it was just like genuinely. Hey, man, I know about watches. I'm gonna help you out. I'll, let me find something good. Um, I think the thing I like most about your approach to the watches which is different than people that are buying them for like superficial reasons or whatever is you would hundred percent recommend a watch that's like half the price. That's just nicer. 
more quality made. Um, you know, I mean, like you've got a lot of, of watches that aren't necessarily at the highest price point that you just think are really quality that you've recommended to me over the past or that I see in your emails and stuff. I really like that part of it too. Like I'd rather find a nice, a nice watch that aesthetically is appealing to me that like maybe I've never heard of than you just go out and find me like what I was talking about this week. Like I got this Hue bloat that was actually part of a, a poker tournament, but it's just like expensive brand. A lot of people kind of have them. They're flashy, but when I look at it, I just really don't like it. Yeah. I mean, and, and why would you after having a Royal Oak chronograph, which is basically what, what that, you know, that model Hugh Blow, not to knock Hugh Blow, but that they've even admitted that their their entire inspiration was the Royal Oak. And if you're going to wear that kind of case, um, I mean, and you probably can attest to this too, like, like as far as that style goes, why would you want to wear anything but a Royal Oak, right? Like, that's... If I was, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, not to knock it. I mean, I like, like I've explained to you before, I don't know, I have no in-depth knowledge of watches, basically... I think coming up in poker gave me a little bit, you know, I got to see more fancy, expensive watches as I was coming through that I didn't really know what they were, but I'd see them on guys at the tables or like, you know, the businessmen would come and they would have the APs on and stuff. And then the young kids would have the bright links. So I saw a huge range of watches and kind of got an idea of what I like and what I would want to wear. But I right. saw really, I had no idea. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes you know, without, but, you know, maybe just a little bit of internet research stuff, but sure. over time, I just got to know what I liked by seeing what other people were wearing, really. Yeah, but, like, I mean, Nick, you could have chosen, like, a Rolex, like everyone has, or not the exact model that everyone has, but that brand, or you could have chosen Cartier, or you could have, there's so many other brands, but, um, you know, usually when people buy, that I've seen, uh, when people buy, like, the Royal Oak, they're like in their forties, right? Like it's like after you've had a couple of Rolexes and you've had a couple of Breitlings and a couple of Cartiers and other brands, then you're like, okay, like I want to, I want one real nice watch that people necessarily don't know what the price is. And I want it to sort of fly under the radar. And that's, and that watch honestly suits you perfectly. Like it's, yeah, such, it. yeah. it's such a smart choice that you made because even if people have seen it on TV, it doesn't matter. They don't know what it is. You know, the, the the average person has no idea what that is, which totally plays into kind of who you are. Like, it's it's funny today, like I, I went to a coffee shop and I was running late um, and I and the woman, she sees me every day and she's just like, you're in a rush and you're here early. What's going on? I was like, oh, I have an interview. I'm interviewing someone. Oh, what do you do? I'm in the watch business. Who are you interviewing? I said, oh, he's a he's a top poker player and he's from here. And. She was like, oh, my God, he's one of us, you know, the, pr <laughs> the, the fucking pride, right? Like, that's one thing I will say about Boston is, like, it doesn't matter what you do, but if you're from here and you've made it, like, people, like, they, it doesn't matter. Even if they don't know you, they're like, you know, I'd do anything for that guy, you know? And, I think uh, there, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of loyalty for sure. I mean, you see it in sports, you see it in family, everything else. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe we're being biased because being from here, but a lot of genuine loyalty is, is how I would put it for sure. One million percent. And it was really nice to be able to, Nick, like, uh, 
you know, like, like the rest, like, I know even the guys at the restaurant, listen, at the end of the day, the guys at the restaurants, like Bardone stuff. I mean, I remember talking to them as well. Cause I, I mean, I literally became like a fixture of all the restaurants I would go to, whether it was Bardo, whether it was Carbone, cause I was there every night. I was like the yep. Indian, I was like the Indian norm from cheers, right? Like every, <laughs> everybody knew my name and because I was there so much. And I just, and you know, after, even after they closed, I would still be there drinking with them and talking to them. And you can tell a lot from, you know, the service people who are there, who are dealing with the public. And you are one of the few people, honestly, where like, you know, out of the 50 or 60 people that work there, they were all like, he is such a nice guy. He's such a humble guy. Like a lot of people are like, once they found out if they saw you and I together or whatever, they would be like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, yeah, it's my friend. It's my friend, Nick, you know? And they're like, no, but that guy is like one of the top poker players in the world. I'm like, yeah, that's like one of the things that he does, but that's not all he is. You know what I mean? It's like you get pigeonholed because you're like, for me, I I'm a watch guy. Everyone knows I'm a watch guy knows that I'm good at watches, but that's not all that I do. That's just one thing that I, that I'm known for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, well, first of all, I think it's easy for me to be super nice and humble to the guys working at Bardot or, you know, everybody working at Bardot because they're they're awesome, too. And, like, I'm just so happy to, to be there and be sharing time with them. And they make it so easy and they make everything great. And they treat us really, really well, as you know. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I think, too, it's a Vegas thing where, as opposed to other places, it's, easy for people to recognize professional poker players because they see them around Vegas or that, you know, you're a lot closer to that gambling scene. There's always stuff up on the TVs at the bar that have the poker on. And so, you know, maybe I'm, I'm playing in the studio all the time. So then I'm on those, the broadcast, they put them up on the, in the bar and, you know, people see it and then they're like, Oh, that guy's playing on TV and then he's eating here. Uh, so it's a lot easier for that to happen in Vegas than it is in like, you know, New York, where it's not on TV as much. No one really cares about gambling as much. You're not as close to that scene. Right, so right. I'm definitely grateful for their support, and I'm happy that uh, that they that they like taking care of me in there. That's awesome because I was just even I was just back there a couple of weeks ago, and that was the first place I went. So that's definitely home for me in terms of eating on the road, and uh, and now it'll be home for me. You know, I'll be now that I I recently moved there. I'll be going there even more. So I think if I'm going to drive from the strip to my uh, from my house to the strip these days, it's going to be to go hang out at Bardo. So I'm glad they're happy to have me. <laughs> That's right. I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely miss seeing you at the bar, bro. I, I left Vegas in in January, um, and uh, I will be back. And I, you know, will you? You think you'll be back? I, I don't know if I'll be back to live, but I'll definitely be back to visit um, for sure. I mean, I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends there. Um, I th- I was there for 10 years, and it was very enjoyable and amazing. Um, it just got, I think it got a little crazy for me when you all your fr- good friends are bartenders. And, yeah. And, and they're lining up shots like it's your fucking job. Um, it's just like night after night after night. I'm like, dude, I can't do this to my liver. Like, yeah. I just, you know, like. I think you, I, I mean, listen, we all get banged up from time to time, but when it's every night, I'm just like, dude, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something else. I gotta, yeah, you, I, you know what, uh, the big change for me in terms of Vegas was, 
I mean, this isn't, you know, probably if people that know Vegas, this is nothing new to them. But when I switched from hanging out on the strip and stuff like that to being in Summerlin, like I yep. stopped when I said, I always stay at the Aria, but like if my girlfriend's with me or if I'm there for a long period of time, I started staying out in Summerlin. Yeah. Um, started going out mountain biking at Red Rocks, like golfing a bunch, you know, picking up food, cooking it at home and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, the strip's there when I want it, which is it awesome. Is. And it's 15 minutes away and it's the best food in the world and the best bars. And I love hanging out at some of them. And then it's like, but I can wake up and ride my bike out my backyard in some unbelievable mountain scenery and some of the best mountain biking trails in the Southwest, some of the best in the country. And I got three, four good poker buddies. I can always play golf with somebody. Then, so then you feel like, you know, you're doing that stuff four or five days a week. And then you do the hard Vegas stuff, maybe once every couple of weeks, once every two weeks, get some good meals. That is what really sort of changed my Vegas, my Vegas experience. Actually, when I first started going there, as a 21-year-old for the World Series of Poker. So basically for 10 years, I spent every single summer in Vegas, which, I, as we know, is the worst time <laughs> year to be there. So Absolutely. I was spending three months on the Strip, dead, you know, middle of summer, not doing anything outside, spending all the time in casinos. And then I was like, man, Vegas kind of sucks. But when I started changing my approach to spending time there, it's now one of my favorite cities in the world, if not number one. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, for all of those of you who don't know, like, if you don't want the strip life, when you get off the strip, you you would never even believe you're in the same place. Because it's so, like, different than the Vegas experience that people know, right? It's, yeah. It's, it, 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 they're, they're families. It's much more sort of suburban feeling. Um, you, you have your space, like, like Nick said, uh, incredible hiking, like... All my, all my friends play golf. Like, it, you know, over there, some of the best golf courses, right? Like, yeah, it's really amazing golf. I mean, it's one of the only places in this country you can play. You know, it's one of the places you can play uh, every single day, all year. You know, it's just a, it's a little colder now, but, but yeah. And I mean, everything. You know, over the last since I first since I first started going there, and now it's almost like it, it's. You can go there. You could do a bachelor party and have an amazing time and not gamble. Now, like you've got right. two professional sports teams, you yep. built everything up so everything's central. Like you can walk around, tailgate, go to the hockey games. I mean, when things get back to normal, the it's it's the best place I've ever watched a hockey game, and I've been a hockey guy for my whole life. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. The, the only thing that was hard, as you know, is being from here and then trying to become a Vegas Knights fan was not easy. Um, it's tough because of the fan base. Like they love it, but they don't know what's going on. A lot of a lot of people. I don't want have, to hate on the Vegas fans. Exactly, exactly. I mean, my my buddy, he had the uh, he has like the first seats behind the glass, and um, and it, it's crazy because you know my mom, she was like, I don't know, she was in Boston at the time, and the news was on, and she was like, so how is the hockey game? I was like, how the hell do you know I went to the hockey game? I saw you on TV. I was like, really? She was like, yeah, you were sitting behind the gla- You were like sitting right behind the glass. I was like, oh, my God. Like the crowds, the the atmosphere, like everything is amazing. It's like it's it's like going to the garden to watch the Bruins. But 
the difference is no one knows what is going on. Yeah, everyone loves it, and they're crazy super fans. But, yeah, maybe, like, the, the understanding of the game, they, they started later, of course. Like, I started watching hockey when I was five years old or whatever, being from, being from Massachusetts, and I played my whole life. But they have a lot of special stuff going on. I mean, it's like a blend of going to a, a sporting event, but you've got – it starts with, like, a Cirque du Soleil show in the beginning. With yep. I mean, it's a full-on – when I went to the, I went to the playoffs in 2018 – Yep. And when uh, Washington won, and yep. that's a full-on every game. I think I went to three games, and it's like a new show where they've got people coming down from the rafters. I mean, pyrotech, whatever. It, imagine Dragon singing the national anthem. It's like the crazy. Super Bowl on ice, right? It's like, every time, though. It's it's just, yeah, they bring it every time with that. So it's it's, it's definitely amazing. And, yeah, I mean, it's I, I love it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you can get back and – live that Summerlin life someday, chill out. I would love to, man. I would love to. And let me ask you, Nick, like in terms of your experience, like once, like just for those listeners out there who have never worked with me and who are like on the fence about buying a watch, what was the experience of the actual transaction like when you bought your Panerai? Was it, did you, did you have any reservations? Were like, I mean, obviously we, we had established a rapport and you were comfortable, but like, when you do a transaction with someone you've never done a transaction with before and you're spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, I can remember vividly, I can remember, you know, being on our phones and looking at the watches at the bar and I'm kind of like telling you what I want. There's some versions of the watch that are more expensive but not as classy looking and stuff and you just kind of help me find, like, you don't need to spend you know, twice as much money to get the same thing. You helped me pick out the exact radio mirror that I wanted. I had been looking at radio mirrors for maybe a few years and just never seriously considering it. And then when we chose it, you know, I knew you were just going to, I knew you were recommending the watch that you thought was right for me and that you were giving me a super fair price. And then in terms of picking it up, you actually delivered it right to the poker table for me. When I was in the Poker Go studio, you just came by and delivered it, box, papers, everything. So, I mean, super easy transaction. It was just me, uh, you delivering the watch, exactly what I wanted, and uh, one little wire transfer, and that was it. It was it was super easy buying experience. I mean, I've been lucky, I think. <laughs> the two, watch, two major watches I bought, I, I found uh, guys that were willing to get me a really good price and deliver it right to my door, and no questions asked. Well, that's good. That's good. So, uh, like, and so you'd recommend this service to anyone? Oh, yeah. Highly. I mean, I mean, I had, like I said, I just came into this U-boat somehow. You're the first guy that I uh, I contacted to try to figure out how I'm going to sell it or trade it. So you're definitely number one on my list in terms of if I have any sort of watch business I'm going to do, I'm going to do it with you. And That's, uh, that's very yeah. kind of you to say. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, and you know, for all of those of you out there, like, you know, again, this, like sometimes people, when I tell them the stories of how I meet people, cause I, I meet a lot of people at, at these, at bars. That's, uh, that's one of the things I loved about Vegas was that, you know, when you're at a store and I worked in retail for many years behind a counter, when you're working behind a counter and you have a client coming to, to you, you're opposing each other. But when you're sitting at a bar, and you're now both on the same side, right? 
that you're not opposing each other. So that comfort level is automatically established, especially if you make a connection with someone. So that kind of thing for me is something I really miss. And it's unfortunate that COVID's put a stint in that, but hopefully that will return to normal in a year or so, or, or hopefully sooner. Let's see how it goes. But, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, so you met this guy and like a year or two later you sold him a watch. How is that even possible? And I'm like, it is possible because, you know, imagine like how many t- forget watches for a second. You go to some place on vacation and you meet someone at a bar and you have a conversation and you have a good time. You end up becoming friends. It's no different, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's and like you said, it's too bad that uh, stuff like that's really on pause right now and it has been for almost a year now and uh it'll be nice when we can get back to those kind of interactions because you know i don't want to see i i find myself and other people i think everyone's more on their phones now more on the computer screens you know less hanging out less just like sitting and talking uh everyone's kind of like zoning in more and more on themselves and like what gives them this immediate entertainment and i'd really really hope to get back to like you said you know meeting new people maybe socializing a little bit old-fashioned business like you said you know building some relationships and not everything kind of trending in this direction of i'm on my phone you're on your phone we're, we're not going to be talking type of thing because now when you go to the bar that, that when you're it's barriers it's like straight up everyone's sitting there directly staring into their phone <laughs> it's kind of sad actually like before, yeah. even before covid I think, uh, you know, I think, we like, they call it smartphones and supposed to be connecting people, but it's actually the opposite. It's actually disconnecting people, I think, from each other. Um, uh, yeah, for, for sure. Like, if there's there was an inflection point. That, like, I'm sure, you know, like, the idea of being able to text people when you want to get in touch and stuff, obviously, you're connecting people. But at this point, it's just going farther and farther in direction. Like, you, you go to – you see people at the coffee shop or the bar or whatever – and they're sitting there watching YouTube videos or, you know what I mean? They're just like sucked right into the phone all the time. And it's like, if you're going to relax and try to have dinner by yourself at the bar, maybe it's time to not (laughs) be like down the YouTube rabbit hole or whatever. It's it's almost like being stuck on a plane with someone, right? Like for a long time. And all they're doing is looking at their phone and watching movies. It's like the same, to me, it's, it it feels the same because it's like, hello, like there's someone sitting next to you. Like I, I love engaging with people. Like I love having these random experiences. And I think Vegas, someone asked me the other day, I, I think actually it was Eric. I was on the phone with Eric Forlini the other day and he was just like, well, don't you think that Vegas, like because Vegas was the kind of place where you had an inbuilt crowd and clientele. I'm like, yeah, I definitely did because you had a lot of people from all over the world who were sitting at these bars and they weren't from Vegas. They were visiting. They were on a business trip. They were on vacation. They were on a bachelor party, whatever the fuck it may have been. And, of course, it's an inbuilt clientele you don't even have to think about because they're there every night, right, eating at the best places, drinking at the best places. But I think I, I think I can pretty much do what I did in Vegas anywhere as long as there is a bar that's open, you know. It may yep. not be it may not be as easy as Vegas was like or as easy as Vegas became because as you know like Vegas is one, would you agree with this Nick that Vegas is probably one of those places that still like you can still kind of do things on a handshake wink wink nudge nudge you know what I mean like yeah, you can you know yeah 
It's uh, for all of the negatives that a lot of gamblers have and the stigma around Vegas being gambling city in general. The other thing that goes along with gamblers, especially poker players, is for them. Obviously, you're always going to have guys that do shady stuff, but for the most part, it's very it's self-regulating because all you have is your reputation in terms of how how well you hold up your end of deals or if you borrow money or whatever, all this stuff. So I think specifically in Vegas, yes, you can do stuff on a handshake because if you, you know, make a mistake, well try to deal, whatever, you know, you only have one shot at that. You can't be the guy that like says you're going to do something and doesn't do it all the time in that kind of, in that kind of setting. So I agree with that for sure. I mean, I see that in the poker community all the time. Everything's basically done. You, you just have to take people's word for it. And I've never been burned really. I mean, it's, it's a, pretty solid community with obviously there's always going to be a few bad actors but yeah and like with your experiences i'm sure you've also you know not just poker players you've sat down with i'm sure you must have been at tables where you have these celebrities now that are playing poker right yeah there's well i just played the there's a new new season of high stakes poker um so the old show that was on Game Show Network, they're making a new season and we filmed it. We went into the studio and got tested every morning at 10 and we came back and played at 3. So played with some interesting characters on that show. Uh, Rick Solomon's kind of a celebrity and also he's kind of a, a professional poker player. He played in all those big private games uh, like Molly's Game and whatever. And he was So he's one of the guys, probably not a household name, but I played with him a bunch. Uh, Kevin Hart was playing a lot for for yeah, a couple he was of years for a long time. Well, yeah, he, and actually, he <laughs> he has some kind of crazy um, rare Royal Oak. It's probably yep. worth like hundred, two hundred k, whatever. Yep. We were sitting at the table in Monaco, and he's like, "Hey, we got the same watch." And he's like, <laughs> and he's like just you know, screwing with me that mine cost freaking twenty k, and his was like two hundred. <laughs> And he's like, except for this, he takes it off. And I'm like, oh, my God. he He's – I don't know how much you know about his watch collection, but oh, every, time, every time I played with him, he was wearing something super sick. Um, Phil Kessel is actually he's, – he's sneakily under-the-radar guy. He plays in, like, big tournaments. Like, he'll, he'll just be in World, in Vegas playing, like, 5K. And he just looks like a normal dude. You almost have to look at him like four times to be like, is that Phil Kessel? You know, he's played, plays an NHL guy. Um, wow. So, yeah, he's uh, he won a cup with the Penguins. He's like, he was a Bruin. You know, he was a yeah. massive yeah, NHLer. Yeah. Massive, massive. He's just like short T-shirt, flip-flop, no watch on that guy, I don't think. He's just like super low-key. I mean, honestly, he doesn't even look like he's in like good shape. <laughs> and so, so you're playing, and 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 he's playing like lower stake stuff. He he kind of sneaks in. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of people to play, but uh, Paul Pierce too, right? Paul Pierce from the yeah. Pacific. He put well. I, he doesn't play. He plays. I know this just from word of mouth that he's a private game guy in Boston. But in yep. terms of the guys that people will come and play the big events and and uh, travel and stuff, it's a lot of a lot of business guys. Um, actually, a lot of guys that got super rich from like the gaming industry like you know being involved somewhere or another are the guys the recreational guys that play play the most and then um yeah but people pop in and out no matter obviously, 
obviously it's 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 a very male dominated sport for the most part but i am you are starting to see more women playing right there's quite a few women um there's some really good uh long standing female pros um there there's been women there's a there's a woman named Vanessa Phelps who already made she made a ton of money early, crushed the super high rollers, and then she's retired. So, I mean, it's nothing new. She was one of the best players in the world for a long time, and then she just moved on, and I think she's a, she got her law degree from Yale or something. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of women that that, uh, that play and do really well. I think that the what we need to do a better job of is just, like, at the table – since it is so male dominated and then you have a lot of a lot of older guys with a little more old school type you know social stuff you know in the in the casinos they, they just don't they're not that welcoming yep they, and so i can't imagine what it feels like like if a woman's excited to come play a live tournament in the bellagio whatever the, even if it's lower stakes and stuff sit down and everyone's making a big deal about it like they just don't they, they just they don't do a good job of just understanding that it's just another person playing. They are always making comments. Right. Um, make, you know what I mean? A lot of, like really threatened cringy. in a way. Threatened What's that? Way. Like they're threatened in a way because they yeah, don't know what re- to do. It's really cringy to watch sometimes. Um, but I mean, that stuff, I get, I hope it's getting better with time at the highest stakes. You don't see it as much because it's a smaller community and everyone's really close, but in the, Big, in the middle stake stuff, uh, yeah, I don't think it's I, – I, I feel like a lot of females have experienced it's, like, not that comfortable, but they, there's a lot of great players. That's awesome. That's great to hear, man, and I'm sure it will get better. Your parents must be so proud of you, dude. Like, you coming from, you know, a small town, and I remember you telling me, like, you know, you, basically, like, you grew up with, you know, like, it wasn't like, you know, you were rolling in it when, when you were young or anything. Right, you came from a pretty working. Uh, yeah, my dad's a truck driver. Um, my mom was a, a teller at the bank for her. Or she worked at the grocery store and teller at the bank. So just like normal working people. Uh, my dad still. We just had a big snowstorm, and he's yeah. up, up at 3 a.m. plowing. He's 72. So God, yeah, I mean, God bless him, man. God bless. Yeah, him. man. He's he's uh. So yeah, there's he's still working. He's still working his ass off. He's. Yeah, he's just a he's just a truck driver. He's in the big big rig, eighteen wheeler, driving all day, working. And my mom is now retired. But yeah, I mean, no, they they were they were skeptical at first, obviously. Especially I started my my career started. I was playing online mostly, so right. it's hard it's hard for them to see the tangible results, right? It's hard for them to say like, I'm just like, hey, you have to take my word for it. I'm making money doing this, and they're like, yeah, but you're <laughs> kind of like playing a video game. This is weird. <laughs> You know, you're supposed to go to college, and you know, I, I was an econ major, so they expected me to get a finance job. Sure. Um, which I mean, you know, poker kind of is, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, they. But then once I started playing in live tournaments, and once there would be like, not that it should mean this much, but once you know, you're on TV or there's a little article on the internet like, hey, Nick won this or whatever, then they can right. start seeing like, oh, it's real, and other people are trying really hard at this and, and it's actually an intellectual game. And, and, you know, then they start seeing the work that goes in behind it, like studying and then they're like, okay, this is legitimate. Like he's not just, you know, uh, he's not just gambling. This is real. There's some long-term uh, promise here. And, and then, I mean, obviously now it's been, 
I think I've been doing it for 14 years. So now they're used to it and, and, uh, yeah, but, and they're still, nothing's changed for them. They're still doing their thing. So yeah, everybody's happy now. There was a period where they were a little doubt. They were a little, uh, worried about it, but that was a long time ago. Well, Nick, you deserve all the success in the world, man. And I, I only wish you continued happiness and, um, I, I can't thank you enough, uh, for doing this interview. It was fun talking to you. And, uh, I, I hope that we get to see each other wherever that may be in the world. I hope we get to see each other at some point. And, uh, I hope you and your family are healthy and safe, buddy. Of course, man. Thanks a lot. It was, it was nice talking to you. Uh, happy to come on anytime. Well, there you have it. Watch people. That was my one-on-one conversation with good friend, client, and world-class poker player, Nick Petrangelo. I'd like to thank him for his time. Uh, It's always great to catch up with him, and I look forward to doing more of these in the future. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at amitdavehonda at gmail.com or visit my website at www.amitdavehonda.com. Rock on, fly back, and stay safe.